seated. I'm kind of a map guy. We do a lot of traveling. We're on the road, amen, about 46 weeks a year, and so we do a lot of driving. And and even that paradigm has changed because you used to have a big atlas, amen? Got one that's, amen, about yay big, and some of them spiral bound, and now we've reduced all that to this little box we set on our dashboard, amen, that tells us where to turn. If you've, ever, if you've ever had a GPS system, I've noticed that they all come with the default female voice, which I quickly changed because for, amen, for years now, I've had a default female voice in my vehicle telling me where to turn, and I do not need two of them. <laughs> amen. So I find a man's voice, Brother Steinke, that I can, usually a British guy, amen, <laughs> amen, that'll tell me, turn left in 200 feet. But the simple fact of the matter is, you look at the text tonight, and if you go back to the first part of Matthew's gospel, the fourth chapter, Mark's gospel, the fourth chapter, you'll find that they're in this place called Capernaum. That's a significant city to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Much of what he did was done in and around Capernaum. And the location is interesting because Capernaum is located on the northernmost shore of that body of water known as the Sea of Galilee. And they are getting ready to make a journey, we find in Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter, that they come to the other side of the sea, verse number one, into the country of the Gadarenes. So they're getting ready to make that journey, Craig, from Capernaum down to Gadara. And after a day filled with teaching and, amen, helping people, Jesus makes the statement to the disciples, let us pass over to the other side. We don't know how great the crowd was that gathered that day. The Bible simply says it was a multitude, so it was a large crowd, and it took, no doubt, some time for that crowd to be dispersed. But when the task was completed, they all entered into a Galilean fishing vessel and began that journey, amen, across the length of the Sea of Galilee to this place called Gadara. And I got to thinking about that because it's probably a journey, Brother Jim, they would have made on a fairly regular basis. We all know this, that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's not too hard to do when you're in this part of Ohio, amen. I'm not trying to to bust on your area, but you don't have a lot of barriers, amen, to to make a straight line difficult. But where I just was in Athens, Tennessee, I had to drive from Athens, Tennessee to Nashville to see a family member last Thursday. And Brother Rodney, there is no straight line between Athens, Tennessee and Nashville. Amen. I mean, it's a very circuitous route, amen, to get across the rivers and get over the mountain and get over to the eastern or the western side of the state of Tennessee. So you understand this, that it would have been uh, going across that sea or going the length of that sea by boat is going to be a lot more direct and a lot faster than them walking around the sea and, and circumnavigating that body of water on foot. It's also, and I want to call to your attention tonight, that the disciples, the men that Jesus called to himself, were from pretty, some pretty diverse backgrounds. Aren't you glad not everybody's like you? <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know, we sometimes get aggravated with people because they're not just like us, but if they're just like us, it'd be a boring place. Amen. I, mean, I know guys that married a gal because, uh, because they were attracted to her because she's different, and then when they get married because she doesn't like the things they like, 
amen, and they don't get, they don't agree on some things. They find grounds for them not to get together, and I'm thinking that's really non-productive. I'm glad my wife's different than I am. You didn't need to say amen right there, but I'm glad she is. I'm glad she looks different than me. Amen. I'm glad she dresses different than me. Amen. Amen. And you're glad I dress different than her. Amen. <laughs> We're living in a jacked up world, ain't we? I mean, who'd, who'd ever thought we'd have to we'd have to explain, amen, that, that there's only two genders. Amen. I mean, listen, I can self-identify as an athlete all I want to. <laughs> Amen. I can self-identify, Jim, as a pole vaulter. <laughs> Don't mean I are one. <laughs> Amen. Think it snapped like a Lincoln log. Amen. I'm just, I'm just saying we're living in a crate. We've lost our minds. Yeah. Amen. Listen, I don't care if he calls himself Caitlin or not. He's still Bruce. Somebody say amen. Used to be he's on a box of Wheaties when I was a kid. I heard they was putting him on a Fruit Loops box. I don't know if that's true or not, but amen. But I'm just saying, listen, we, we come from diverse backgrounds. We come from different backgrounds. I mean, listen, most of you folk are country folk, and there's some folk here that are city folk, amen. And I mean, we just come from different places, and we've got different backgrounds, got different heritages. Uh, you look at the disciples, the men that Jesus called to himself, one by the name of Matthew. We also know him as Levi. He's a public official, amen. He's a publican, maybe re-publican, amen. Maybe a Democrat. I don't know. I learned a long time ago, in order to play a game, you've got to have two teams. Yeah. Stop thinking about that for a minute. Amen? I'll move on. Some of y'all look like you're getting pale. But <laughs> Bartholomew is a man that some, some people say came from royalty, but most of the families, ladies and gentlemen, that, that Jesus uh, called to himself were families that made their living in and around that Sea of Galilee. They were, they were families that had a fishing background or a, a navigational background or some type of a shipping background. And, and these men were very familiar with and very skilled in the operation of a ship and the catching of fish. So when you read in the text that these men become alarmed, Rodney, that that vessel has taken on water, I want you to understand this, ladies and gentlemen. These are not men who don't have their sea legs. These are not men that have not experienced things before. Now, as I said, that trip is probably one that would have been made fairly regularly. And so that being the case, I don't think that it would have been uncommon, Brian, for them as they were making that trip from Capernaum down to Gadara to maybe have done some fishing along the way. I don't think I'm doing any damage, Brother Steinke, to the text in supposing that happens. In fact, I do know this, and I'm not necessarily a fisherman but I, everyone that I know that is a fisherman, amen, I like fishing. I don't like fishing. And everyone that I know is a fisherman, they like fishing. What, what I mean by that is, listen, if nothing's biting, they will stay out there all blessed day long. And every fisherman that I have ever met never passes a body of water where they don't stop and wonder what's in there. And if they got time, they'll throw a, they'll throw a line in there. 
there's just something, amen, that gets in their blood and they're just curious. And if they got a moment, listen, I remember when I was a kid, they used to advertise something on TV called the pocket fisherman. This little jakey looking fishing pole that you could carry in your car. I'm like, who in the world needs that? Then I met people that apparently needed that. Amen. I mean, man, bless God, everywhere they go, they got a fishing pole with them, amen. They got a little bitty tackle box just on the outside chance, Cliff, that they got a couple of minutes between appointments, amen. And they find a body of water alongside the road. They think there might be something in there I might be interested in. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I, I got to thinking about that because if they're going to do a little fishing, then, I, then they're going to have to have the equipment and so that being the case, I can see Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip bringing aboard the nets that are necessary for the catching of fish and the ropes and the sails and the every, everything that would be necessary, amen, for the motivating the boat through the body of water. But I'm interested in something in verse 38. Speaking of Jesus, the Bible says he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. There's probably a lot of us in this room that have read that verse and read this text a hundred times. And you've just read that, just read right over that. See, when I read that here a while back, the immediate question I had, Connie, was where'd that pillow come from? That ain't standard equipment on a Galilean fishing vessel. I mean, we're not talking the deadliest catch here, amen, where they're going to be out on the Bering Sea and the Cornelia Marie for, amen, weeks on end and they're going to amen sleep and eat and do everything else we're talking a galilean fishing vessel we're talking we're talking a vessel that's probably probably not quite as long as this platform is long and maybe just a little bit wider than this area amen and it's got a high bow and a high stern and low gunnels because they're going to be casting nets rodney and drawing nets and so you're not going to find uh, sleeping quarters on a galilean fishing vessel and yet right there in the middle of the verse 38 Jesus is asleep on a pillow. The thought occurred to me that while others, while some are bringing fishing gear and others are bringing sailing gear, Jesus is bringing sleeping gear. Now, may I remind you that this storm they were sailing in, are you listening to me tonight? This storm they were sailing in did not catch the Lord off guard. He did not have to tune to the Weather Channel and find out what Jim Cantore was saying was going to happen on their journey from Capernaum to Gadara. He didn't turn on the local news at 11 o'clock to figure out what the weather was going to be. Hey, he's the one that makes the weather. Yeah, amen. amen. Yeah. Hey, he knew what they were facing, and yet he didn't bring a slicker. He didn't bring a bucket. He didn't bring a bilge pump. He didn't bring a life preserver. He brought a pillow. The thought occurred to me that if Jesus can sleep on a stormy night, Chris, there's no reason why you and I can't. If Jesus can find rest in the middle of a storm, there's no reason why you and I can't find the same thing. Amen. Now, our text tells us the Bible said there was a great, verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind. That storm was such, ladies and gentlemen, that the waves had built up to the point and were breaking over the bow or the sides of that ship to the point that that vessel, amen, was 
was getting to the place where its ability to remain buoyant was compromised. You ever felt that way? I mean, wave after wave after wave of bad news has hit you and you feel like I can't take one more bit of bad news. I can't take one more disappointment. I can't take one more heartache. Can I just say tonight, you're not alone. I believe one of the reasons why this story is recorded in the pages of the Word of God, David, is because the Lord knew that there were going to be times when we felt overwhelmed, when we felt like we couldn't make it any any further, where we felt like we were just going to go under. We might as well just give up and draw our last breath, amen, and, and, and go down with the ship. And ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you, hey, we've got a Savior who in the middle of a storm was sleeping. Now I got to thinking about this because the disciples did first of all what you and I should do when, thorm, when storms threaten to sink us. And that is they looked to Jesus. Yeah. They didn't look to social media. They didn't look to they didn't look to him in the arm of flesh. Amen? They looked to the Lord. And what they observed both amazed them and alarmed them. He's asleep. He's facing the same storm they're facing. Fred, the waves, he's he's dealing with the same waves and the same winds and the same spray that they're facing. And yet he's in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. So I got to looking at this text and I realized that there are a number of pillows right here in this text that will enable us to get some rest on a stormy night. But before I deal with that, we really need to define the purpose of a pillow. And I've learned this after 37 years of marriage. I've learned that the purpose of a pillow, Anita, is different based on what your gender is. Amen. You see, women look at pillows as decoration. This comes from an amen deficiency. You see, when if you walked over to that motor coach, Brother Steinke, and we invited you in, we got a sofa in that coach. But in order to sit on the sofa, you got to remove four pillows to even sit on the sofa. Four. They're going to go. They're going to go on the floor, Brother Hamilton, so you can enjoy the sofa. If you move back to the bedroom, Elise, on our bed right now, this very moment, God is my witness, and if, if I'm telling a lie, may God kill Craig. <laughs> no, I'm telling the truth honestly. Right now, this very moment, Cliff, there are. 13 pillows. Nine of them are going to go on the floor before I lay down. Sorry about that. Didn't know you was going to get... Didn't know you was gonna, you know, your mother used to spit wash you when you was in church, and now the preacher is doing it. Amen? This ain't a mama here had seen something on their kid's face and gone... Amen. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about nine pillows going to have to go on the floor before I can even use the two, Rodney, that I'm going to Find rest on. So why do you need two pillows? Look at the distance between my shoulder and my head. 
we hold these truths to be self-evident. Amen. God, oh, understand why I need two pillows. By laying on, hey, hey, hey. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't even have to call the my pillow guy. Amen. Hey, so to a lady, pillows are for decoration. For a guy, we, we use a pillow because it makes us comfortable. Amen. The bottom line is this. Pillows make rough, hard places tolerable. Am I right? Have you thanked God for padded pews lately? Church I pastored in Missouri, we had 90-degree upright plywood hard I brought my own pad with me, but nobody else had that advantage, or very few people did. As an inside joke, y'all will get it after a while. Y'all are slow, man. I shouldn't have to spell all that out for y'all. Amen. I'm telling you, ain't nothing more uncomfortable, brother, than listening to a long sermon in a 90-degree pew with not adequate padding. But you won't fall asleep. Amen probably why they did it that way because them old timers used to be boring <laughs> amen <laughs> amen but i'm just I'm, I'm just i'm just saying listen a pillow a pillow makes hard places difficult makes them tolerable man aren't you glad aren't you glad god gave us some things right here in this verse and right here in this text amen to make the hard places in our life tolerable hey i'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand tonight but any of you in a hard place right now facing something right now and you don't know what the outcome's going to be you got more questions than you got answers hey man all you see is all you see is a disaster lie ahead you can't see any good in it can i just tell you ladies and gentlemen hey hey i've got some good news for you god has given us seven pillows right here in this text that we can rest on when the storms of life threaten our very existence, let me give them to you and stay right with me. They're going to be found right here from verse 35 down through verse number 41. And I'll give you this hint. They're all going to start with a letter P. Number one, look at verse number 35. The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Yeah. Let me just remind you, he didn't say go over yonder and I'll catch up. He said, let us. You see, that first pillow is the pillow of his presence. Amen. Oh, listen, I'm thankful for the presence of God. Amen. And by the way, can I remind you, church? Hey, he said they were going to the other side. The storm did not change that. Oh, I got, I got these out of order. First of all, scratch that. It ain't, it ain't presence. That's the next one. First one is his promise. The pillow of his promise. He said they were going to the other side. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you, when you got saved, you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary. He made you a promise. You were going to the other side. Amen. Amen. Hey, there might be some storms. There might be some rough weather. There might be some discouraging times, Chris, but those storms don't change the fact 
that he's made a promise in his word that he's taken us to the other side. Oh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? Hey, they used to sing, they used to sing a song in church called the old ship of Zion. Amen. And listen, I'm glad, I'm glad, although that old ship, Brother Steinke, has faced some storms and faced some difficulty. I'm glad that old ship's still sailing tonight. I'm glad. Hey, I'm glad. I'm thankful for his promises. Let me give you the second thing. I already gave it, so let me just give it to you again. Just act like you didn't hear that. Most of you didn't anyway. I know how people listen in church. And they went, and when they sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. There's his presence. Hey, he's in the ship. He promised he was never going to leave us. He promised he was never going to forsake us. And if you're saved, he's on board your vessel. Oh, listen, I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know who my Savior is. Amen. I'm glad when I got saved, hey, he took up residence on the inside. He made me some promises. Amen. He's not going anywhere. Oh, I'm glad. Listen, hey, hey, it doesn't matter what twists and turns my life takes. Hey, you say, have you ever disappointed him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I'm li- and I'm liable to, Brother Steinke, a few more times before this journey's over. But he ain't going nowhere. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand that when he saved you, he knew everything about you? He knew the trouble you were going to be. He knew the burden you were going to be. He knew, hey man, he knew knew how many times he's going to have to carry you on his back. He knew the times we were going to fail, and yet, Brother Steinke, there's never been one time, there's never been one time where he made me feel like I wasn't worth the price he paid for me on Calvary. Boy, somebody ought to say amen. I'm telling you, there's somebody here wondered, hey, man, I've done some horrible things. How could God forgive me? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, hey, he's ready to forgive. And I'm telling you, if you'll just come to him and confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, listen, I'm thankful for his promises. I'm thankful for his presence tonight. Let me give you the third thing quickly. It's in verse 36, tail end of that verse. There were also with him other little ships. Can I say not only do we have the pillow of his promises and the pillow of his presence, number three, we got the pillow of his people. Hey, we ain't alone in this thing. Amen? I mean, the devil is a master at making you feel like you are all by yourself. But that's usually only when we isolate ourselves from everybody else because of what we're going through. Oh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad, I'm glad we're not alone. There are others of God's people who are on this journey with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you this, since the last time I was here, which best I can figure is eight or nine years ago. There's some new faces here. Hey, you know what we're, you know what we're realizing? We're on the same journey together. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Since the last time I was here, amen, this old ship's weathered some storms, has she not? Hi, but there's still some people, amen, calling this place home. And you know what we figured out, Brother Chris? We ain't alone in this. Amen. He's never, he's never abandoned us. He's never left us. Amen. Hey, fr- family and friends may forsake us. How about the Lord will not forsake his own? Amen. I want you to think about this, though. I want you to think about the people that were in that ship with him. It's the disciples. Right? 
I want you to also think with me that they did not have a completed Bible. <laughs> you see, there was a fellow by the name of James in that ship. There was a fellow by the name of Peter in that ship. Hey, man, don't get ahead of me, preacher. There was a fellow by the name of John in that ship. You see, the book of James hadn't been written yet. It was in that ship. How first and second Peter hadn't been written yet. It was in that ship. First, second, third John and the book of Revelation hadn't been written yet. It was in that ship. You say, what are you trying to say? Hey, I'm trying to say he had too much invested in that ship to let that ship go under. Amen. Now I want you to keep your place right here in Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, and turn with me to the second book to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians, and I want you to look at chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 1, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we of some others epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? For ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Can I just say this, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, he's not done writing your epistle, and you ain't going under till he does. Amen. Well, listen, I'm glad to report to you tonight. Hey, 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 he's got too much invested in you. I had to let you go under until he's finished with your life. Amen. Amen. His people. I thank God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. I said last night, some of the dearest friends in my life were in the building last night. Some of the dearest friends in my life are here tonight. Man, you don't have any idea what an encouragement it is when you're going through a rough patch to know that, that, that somebody that you know that knows nothing about what you're going through and nothing about what's going on in your life, amen, just feels prompted of the Holy Ghost of God to send you a text and just say, hey, want you to know I'm praying for you. Want you to know I love you. Oh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, hey, the people of God, you say, wait a minute. Hey, sometimes we fight. Well, cause, that's because we're family. Amen. Kathy, you got two siblings, right? Craig and Carrie. Y'all ever fight? You're lying. <laughs> Get up here and sing all the Jesus I surrender. Amen. <laughs> should I asked the wrong person. I should ask mom. <laughs> Amen. Mom will tell the truth. Amen. Amen. That's just what families do. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know how it was when you got saved. I wasn't a churchgoer. And uh, we went Christmas and Easter. And the ministerial term for that is, amen, Easter lilies and Christmas poinsettias. That's what we were. We were CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. Amen. And uh, we got a lot of ministerial language that average church member has no, has no clue about. But amen. I just tell all that stuff when I'm in here. Amen. So just kind of enlighten the crowd a little bit. Amen. And uh we, we, we weren't churchgoers, and, and uh, we started going to church, and I noticed everybody, Craig, was calling each other brother. 
And I knew we weren't in Kentucky <laughs> or Arkansas. Thought this is weird, man. Something wrong here. You know, not enough, not enough branches in the family tree around here, man. Amen. Amen. I'm just hey. But you know, the fact of the matter is, we are we are brothers. Yeah. Glad we got, brother. What's your name? Cardiff. Cardiff, brother Cardiff here tonight. I had a when I was pastoring in Missouri, had a real good friend that was pastoring down in West Memphis, Arkansas. He's a black preacher. His name his name's Ed Lay. And uh, I'm telling you, ain't no white preacher could ever, on his very best day, preach like a black preacher can. <laughs> on his worst day. <laughs> they're just something, they're, amen? I'm just telling you the truth, man. They're just something, they're just something God has, and, and listen, listen. Before we start thinking that our way's right and everybody else's way's wrong, there's a reason why God made the cultures different. Let me, just, let me just throw this little hobby horse out here, and I think I'm on safe ground, and if I'm not, you can fix it when I leave. <clears throat> I, this ain't going to cause you any trouble, but I'm weary of us trying to make every other culture in the country when we go to do mission work, when we try to make them Americans. Because last time I checked, we ain't got too much worth exporting as far as culture is concerned. There's something about the way that they worship and something about the way they sing and something about the way they praise that God put in them, amen? And we'd be good, amen, to learn what we can, amen, and rejoice that they can do that and enjoy it when they do. Yep. Yeah, Boy, Ed Lay came to my church and he was preaching for me and, and uh, we, did, we did what we did today. We went to a little Chinese restaurant there in the community that I pastored in. I was a regular there. The waitress knew me. And I come in there and I got... Ed Lay, and we're sitting there at the table. She takes our order. And Anita, I'm calling him Brother Ed this, and he's calling me Brother Phil that. And she come out to our table, little Chinese waitress. She says, he your brother? <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. Same father, different mothers. <laughs> she looked at him, Steve, and looked at me and shook her head. Probably thought my mama was a really loose woman. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I went back afterward and explained to her, amen, that although we had different parents, amen, we had the same heavenly father, amen. Yeah. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to report to you tonight, hey, hey, even though we've never met a lot of us, hey, we've got something in common. I mean, right away, preacher, we've got some, we've got some things in common. We've got the same father, amen. Hey, we're going to the same home. Our past might be different, but our future's got a lot of things in common. And that's why you can walk in a church and you can meet people you've never met in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And immediately, Brother Clifford, there's a connection and a bond and a camaraderie and a familial relationship Amen. because we're all going to the same place. Yep. Amen. Amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thankful tonight for the people of God. Amen. Uh, let me hurry. I got, I got four more I want to give you quickly. I'll try to preach these like a fat man crawling through a barbed wire fence. Uh, just four more points and I'll be through. Look at verse number 38. The Bible says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. I want you to notice that statement, the hinder part of the ship. Now, I want you to think with me just a minute. I've tried to paint in your mind, if television hasn't destroyed your ability to imagine, a Galilean fishing vessel. It's got a high bow. It's got low gunnels because they're throwing nets and drawing nets. It's got a high stern. He's a, 
sleep in the hinder part of the ship. So I'm thinking, Steve, what's the significance of that? There's no pilot house. There's no wheel. There's just a rudder. And where's that rudder at? It's in the hinder part of the ship. Can it say we've got the pillow of his promises, the pillow of his presence, the pillow of his people? Let me say number four, there is the pillow of his power. You see, here's the thing. You say, well, wait a minute, man. He was in the hinder part of the ship and he was asleep. Oh, that was the human part of him. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's the only thing we could see is the human part of him. But the God part of him wasn't asleep. Somebody ought to say amen. Although the human part of Jesus was sleeping, why? Because he had taken on the form of of a man and he'd been burdened down by teaching. He'd been burdened down with cares and his flesh got weary. And on that journey, Rodney, his physical fleshly body took some sleep. But let me just remind you, the God part of him was fully aware of what was going on, of what they were facing, and fully in control of every place they were going. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, hey, there ain't no need to utter when he's at the rudder. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's no need to cry when he's, a, when he's the one in control. Amen. I'm thankful for his power. Man, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad there's somebody? Boy, I'm thinking of that song. Since I preached that message, there is an unseen hand to me that leads in ways I cannot see while going through this world below. That hand still leads me as I go. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand still guided by the unseen hand. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So they couldn't see him, the God part of him. A lot of times we have trouble with that. Yeah. Especially when, when we're in the midst of a storm. Yeah. Especially when the vessel Rodney's taking on water mm-hmm. faster than we can get it out. <laughs> but look at the next thing. The Bible said he's in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow in verse 38. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You see, that's the pillow of prayer, Anita. Oh, that's a prayer. <laughs> Amen. See, they think he's sleeping, Fred. <laughs> the, 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 the fleshly side of Jesus is weary, but the God part's still wide awake. Yeah. <laughs> the fleshly side of Jesus is trying to get some rest, the bodily side of him, but the God side of him, Brother Steinke, amen, still hearing prayers. Yeah. They're afraid that if they say something, he ain't going to hear. <laughs> amen. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you, if you'll pray, he'll hear. Now, there is a little caveat. The Bible said, if, we, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I got sin in there that I know that I need to confess and I know I need to deal with Craig, then, amen, that's going to hinder my ability to get my prayer before him. But he's even gracious to care about that. 
Because <laughs> he said, if we confess. Yep. Amen. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And so I can go to God, and if I go to God confessing, that opens the way of communication. Amen. And that means whatever I'm going through, I can leave in his care. Yep. And I can trust to him. Man, I'm thankful he hears the cries of his children, aren't you? We were talking about prayer this afternoon, and I think prayer is a very important thing. We have really lost the premium that prayer ought to have. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Because we're able to just kind of make things happen anymore. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, and I, 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 I'm going to be really transparent. As, an, as a preacher, when you are preaching on the average of five nights a week, sometimes seven. It's like anything else, Brother Steinke, that you do, and you do it repetitively. You see, Chris Henson's been milking cows so long, he probably don't really have to think about it. Probably really happens second nature. Amen? It's like anything else you do repetitively, you, get, you, get, you develop your craft. But just because you can deliver a message doesn't, doesn't mean God's going to deliver a blessing. That takes the power of God. Amen. We can learn, Jim, to manipulate things and say the right things in the right place and, amen, amen, draw out some emotion. But at the end of the day, if God hasn't blessed it and it hasn't been bathed in prayer and you haven't said, God, I, I need your help. God, you've got to do something. I have no idea what, what's going on in the lives of people. Have no idea, Marie, uh, the burdens that people are going to carry when they walk in here. There might be somebody that came in tonight and this is their, this is their last-ditch effort and if nothing happens here tonight, they're going to end it all. I have no idea, but that thought may have gone through somebody's mind. God, if you don't fix this problem, God, if you don't hear my prayer, God, if I don't leave there with some answers, I'm giving up. And ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, hey, it doesn't matter how good a preacher is at his craft. If God doesn't get in it, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to matter. Prayer. You see, there are some things, ladies and gentlemen, that you're nagging. And your incessant begging is not going to fix. Some of us as parents are having to learn, especially us men folk, that by nature are fixers. Amen? You know what we're having to do, Brother Steinke? We're having to realize there are things we can't fix right now. They don't make duct tape for this. Snap-on, don't make the tool to repair this. And the only option is to trust God. Yeah. The only option is to leave it in the Lord's hands. Amen. Prayer. Look at verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And there was a great, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Listen, as I've got this played out in the theater of my mind, the disciples wake him. They make an accusatory prayer. Sounds pretty accusatory. Don't you even care what's happening here? 
did you, did you notice that Jesus didn't rebuke him? Amen? Jesus didn't get on him and say, what's wrong with you? Can't you see I'm here? You think something's going to happen when I'm in your presence? He didn't. And even, even their prayer was accusatory. What's wrong with you? Don't you care? You know what he did? He dealt with their need. <laughs> he said, peace, be still. And they saw something happen that they've never seen before. Craig, they've been out on that sea before. They've seen storms blow up. But it takes a while for a storm to blow out. But not when he speaks peace. <laughs> and those waves went from threatening to calming. <laughs> those winds went from hurricane strength to a gentle breeze. <laughs> Amen. And that sea went from raging to a great calm. I'm glad we got the pillow of peace, aren't you? You ever meet somebody that's going through something? A lot of times this happens with somebody that's going through a terminal illness like our friend over here. They're in the hospital and things aren't looking good. The doctors have not given a good diagnosis. And from everything they can see and everything that the tests and the medical professionals are telling them, the end is approaching. And you go there to give them some comfort, mm -hmm. and you leave being the one that's been comforted. You go there trying to give them some peace, Clifford, and it ends up they've given you something. <laughs> you know what I found, Chris? God gives peace to those that need it. Yeah. He gives grace to those that need it. Amen? Amen. There's, one last, there's one last pillow here. It's in the last verse. The Bible said in Verse number 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's the pillow of praise. And there are two things, there are two pillows in this collection of seven that I think a lot of us are running short on. Prayer, and praise. Fred, I've faced some situations as a, as a husband, a father, as a pastor, that I concluded that the only way out of that problem and out of that situation, because I couldn't see my way out, I couldn't figure my way out. I couldn't reason my way out. So I had to praise my way out. I just had to trust him. Amen? Somebody said when 
God doesn't open the door, just praise him in the hallway. <laughs> Amen. And I'm telling you, when they said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him, that's the pillow of praise. So you got seven pillows. Now that's an interesting number. I've already talked about this this week, but that number seven is the number of completion. Tells me, y'all, that we got enough pillows to get us from the beginning of our life to the end of our life. Amen. Amen. He didn't leave us one short. (laughs) He didn't give us one too many. He gave us seven, Chris, so we could get from here to there. And I want to ask you tonight, I want to ask several questions. I'm not going to have you bow your head and close your eyes yet. See, some of us are facing some difficulty. And you're looking at all these pillows and your prayer life has been almost non-existent. Amen? And I'm just telling you, that pillow of praise is, or that pillow of prayer is available right up in here. You see, there are some things you're going to face that nothing's going to fix but praying. Nothing's going to change but praying. There's probably a number of us in this room. And when I say praise, the problem is because because we've, we've got this caricature in our mind that praise is some crazy thing. You know, the funny thing is, I've been to college ball games. And I've watched how people respond at a college football game when their team scores a touchdown. Amen. They don't just say, oh, that's wonderful. I'm excited. No, man. You come home and your voice is gone. Because you have shouted her out. Why? Because, man, your team won the game. Your team scored a touchdown. Your team sank the winning basket. Your team, amen, uh, scored the winning goal. Your team hit the winning run. And you get excited about it. In fact, we call people like that fans. People aren't ashamed to be an Ohio Buckeyes fan. They're not ashamed to be, or maybe you are ashamed to be a Cincinnati Reds fan. I'm not exactly sure about that right now. But. Amen. You're not ashamed to be a fan of your team. I mean, you buy their jersey, you wear their hat. Amen. You know what that word fan is a, is a short, shortened version of? Fanatic. Oh, I want to be a fanatic for the Lord. Why not? When he's lost, you acted, you acted the fool. Amen. Sang dumb songs in a bar. Amen. Did all kind of dumb things. Had to ask your friend, what did I do last night that I need to explain today? Oh, don't look at me like y'all are so sanctimonious. Listen, I'm not saying we ought to act like that in church, but I'm telling you, we got more reason to. Yep. Hey, we're on, listen, last time I checked, last time I checked, hey, he not only died, Brother Cardiff, but he rose again the third and appointed morning. Hey, 
He carried, he carried blood to the mercy seat and made an atonement for me and then promised me that he was going to give me the things that I needed to get through the storms of life. Now, we don't want to get too excited now because I mean, some of you might think we're really serious about this thing. Yeah. I mean, man, God forbid that you know, we get as excited about what we, what's going on in here as them crazy people did Saturday night when I thought the world was blowing up. Amen. I mean, why? seriously, Saturday night, it's cold. I don't know how cold it was, but it was, it was close to freezing. And Saturday night, 10 o'clock, they're lighting off fireworks like it's the 4th of July. I'm trying to process in my head what in the world's going on. What's the significance of the 16th of March? Nothing. <laughs> Thinking, man, I know I'm in a Catholic community, but St. Patrick's Day is tomorrow. Maybe they're starting early. What are they doing? And I think maybe, you know, maybe our treaty with North Korea went kaput and they just decided to launch missiles over here to Minster. Why they choose here? I have no idea. I'm, 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 I'm having all these crazy thoughts trying to figure out what in the world's going on. You want to find out? Find out because girls won some championship. I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's, that's, I get that. That's just cause to be excited. Just ought to let the neighbors know. David, our, our Savior didn't win a championship. He won the war. Amen. He didn't just win a bat. He didn't just win a skirmish. He won the war. Hey, he said it is finished. Amen. And if we can't get excited about that, Mike, that's something wrong with us. Amen. Listen, I know you don't have to act like I do. You don't have to. Listen, I know not everybody shouts. I, I know not everybody. But I'm telling you, we ought to. Lift up holy hands. Yeah. We got a little one-year-old granddaughter. She's a little over one year old. While we were there, she just learned to walk. Just a few short months ago. And I noticed that when a child is learning to walk, and at least they begin to stumble and fall, they instinctively reach their hands up for some... <laughs> <laughs> for somebody bigger than them to, ke- <laughs> to catch them before they fall. <laughs> Amen. Remember when I was in school, and we, school's different now because two and two apparently doesn't add up to four anymore. It's some other crazy number. But back when people had sanity and we knew what bathroom to use. Amen. Am I right about it, Steve? You know, back when two and two added up to four and, you know, you didn't do that X plus Y thing because letters and numbers were never, they were, that, was, that was spelling and math. <laughs> Amen. And never shall the twain meet. But uh, when we was doing all that, if you had, if the teacher was writing a problem up on the board and you could answer it, what'd you do? You raised your hand. <laughs> it means I got the answer. <laughs> yeah. And I got the answer. Amen. Yeah. And then thought about this and I, I hate to admit this, but there have been a few times in my life, Brother Steinke, when uh, I had somebody uh, stop me from doing something I was doing. <laughs> and, and that is usually followed by put your hands in the air. Not like you just don't care, but just put your hands in the air. Amen. Don't ask me how I know that, but anyway. <laughs> 
put your hands in the air because you do care, amen, because you don't want to get shot. <laughs> you, know what that, you know what that posture means? I surrender. <laughs> oh. mm. Some of us need to throw our hands in the air. Because <laughs> we don't, we're going to fall. Some of us need to throw our hands in the air because we need to surrender. And some of us need to start telling this world <laughs> we got the answer. I want to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you would, please. Every head.